Hey, Jason, it's time to review another movie. Hey, why are you tied to your bed? Why, why is it so cold in here? Oh, <laughs> look at that, a dead priest on the floor. Why is he here? Oh, and your bed is floating. What's causing that? Wow. How, how did you turn your head all the way around? Oh, some kind of <laughs> malevolent force threw me across the room. Oh, you broke out of your restraints. What are you going to do with that crucifix? Oh, okay. Look, buddy, would you rather be alone? I guess not. <laughs> um, yeah, you look engaged. I'll just watch this movie we're supposed to review, and when you feel like joining me, you can. Sound good? Great! What an excellent day for an exorcism. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, we're going to be reviewing a viewer's choice. Isn't that right, Steve? That's right. Chosen by one of our very own dear listeners. And this is a horror movie with the spook-em-ups <laughs> that we usually would reserve for Halloween, but I think uh, our listener decided very wisely that they'll never get to it because we only do two <laughs> horror movies a year. That's true. And so we chose it for listener choice. So what is the horrible, the super scariest, the most, the scariest horror movie of all time, uh, supposedly? That's right? what people say. Yeah. Yeah. And Makes the people poop, poop their pants and pee all over the place out of fear. <laughs> and you know, you know, Jason. Not only is it a horror movie, yeah, it, it's a serious horror movie. Oh, right, with the serious actors. It's a serious, it's a serious film with it's a, a, a work of art of consequence. There's in addition nothing to being goofy in it. Not, no, of course not. Why would you even know? Anyway, so the movie we're reviewing uh -huh. is uh, 1973's classic horror film The Exorcist Oh no Ooh, I yeah. thought we were doing Exorcist 2 The Heretic I watched oh, that Oh you watched that Oh you poor thing Yeah and then I had to go outside and lay down and pray that a meteor would strike me <laughs> Yeah yeah the, you, you you can pretty much just stick to the first one if you're talking about exorcist movies like I'm that. just kidding everybody I'm not that stupid I watched The Exorcist as well Hey, Steve. Yep. Do you have any trivia for this movie? There's none? Great. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do. Yippee! Trivia uh, time with Steve. I do have some trivia. So first, Sit down, of... children, and listen to the trivia about The Exorcist. Yeah, and it's all so fun, too. <laughs> Here's a fun bit of trivia. Yay. So Linda Blair, who was, uh, who was, I believe, 13 at the time the movie was filmed and 14 when it came out, yeah. uh, had to have bodyguard protection for six Why? months after the movie was released because she was receiving death threats from fundamentalist hell? Christians who felt like... Did the hell get upset? We're not like that. Here's the, well, this, is the, this is the part that... Okay, so okay. everything about this is wrong. Yeah. Um, she received death threats f mm. from fundamentalist Christians. Of course. Who thought that the movie glorified Satan. What? Now, I'm, I mean, Wait, wh wh whatever what happened? You, whatever you think of this movie, whether you think this movie is a great movie or an overrated movie or whatever, I, I think uh -huh. we, we can all agree the movie is 
largely, if not entirely, anti-Satan. Satan yeah. doesn't look like a good guy in the movie. No, and it he doesn't, doesn't make an appearance in the movie well, either. Yeah, technically Satan's not in the movie. It te yes, the devil isn't technically what it is possessing her. It's but Pazuzu. It's Pazuzu, the Assyrian demon, yes. Um, but, like, so they got the point of the movie wrong, because it doesn't glorify Satan or, or, or evil or whatever. And no. um, she's a kid who just acted in it. Like, right, exactly. she didn't write it. She didn't direct it. It wasn't her no. idea. No. But she, uh, yeah, she had to have bodyguards afterwards. So that's that's a nice that's that's it's nice to she know. She was the kid that uh, uh, William Freakton asked if she knew what masturbation was. Yeah. During her during her her interview. Yeah, and which becomes important for a particular scene <sighs> in the movie. Um, also, this is a Ugh. neat this is a neat little bit of trivia that that hopefully I won't be as upsetting as that last. Bet bit. it is. What um, is it? So throughout the movie, we catch these little flashes of a white-faced demon that just kind yeah. of just like oh, they're all, it's almost subliminal. It just comes on and real quick. Um, mm -hmm. Those are actually shots from an, an early makeup test when they were trying to figure out what Reagan's look would be when she was possessed. And they eventually, of course, went with a different look. Um, yeah. But they kept those shots from the screen test, and they used those as like flashes of like a demon face in the movie, which I thought was kind of neat. That's Eileen um, Dietz. Is it? The person had a name. Well, I didn't bother to look it up, so, you know. As the face of Pazuzu. She went uh, uncredited, because fuck her and her contribution. But yeah, it's Eileen Dietz. Why does she deserve credit for her work? Okay, this is great. Any more trivia about yeah, yeah. super fun movie? I, I, have, I have one more bit of trivia here, and then, if you don't mind, I have a little tiny bit of trivia later on when we get to the Who Made It's uh, about one of, the, one of the actors, but I'll save that for when we get there. But, You're gonna um, come into my domain. I just well, unless and and, unless you say it, unless you say it, you you might. I, I, you, I might not. You I might probably say won't. It. But anyway, so before before we get to that, uh, this movie went way over budget mm -hmm. and way over schedule. Yep. And uh, also, according to William Friedkin, um, Warner Brothers executives were frequently visiting the set and leaving, shaking their heads. They had yes. they had absolutely no faith in the movie whatsoever. They thought it was stupid. They thought it was nope. going to be a boondoggle. Yep. Um, and as a result, they originally only scheduled it to have just a very brief token release. Mm -hmm. um, but then it became a big hit. And in fact, it went on to become one of the most financially successful films in Warner Brothers history. And, That's right. And the following year, it became the first horror film ever to be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Right. So take that, executives. Yeah, you don't know nothing, executives, stupids. <laughs> you didn't even release it to, into, into, into neighborhoods where there are a large black population because they thought no black person wants to go see this movie. And it was so popular that they said, oh, I guess they do. Because they're people, and <laughs> <laughs> they like movies. I don't what? right, no. and so then they released it to those areas too. And some people blame that as for the death of black exploitation films. Oh, at thanks, least for the big studios, right? Because the studios <laughs> assume black people don't go see movies with white people in them because they're not people, and they they only like things that are like them. Yeah, that that was their reasoning behind. So and then so so the, the executives realized after this, hey, wait a minute. They'll we don't just, have to put any black people in a movie. They'll go see the movies we make for the white people, and we don't have to make any movies for black people. That's right. This is so That's great. Exactly right. Oh, thanks, how Hollywood, you shithole. Anyway, you ready for who made it? <laughs> Let's hear it. 
I think that this is literally this whole show is the gradual degradation of my whatever respect I had for Hollywood. The more I find out, the more I hate it. <laughs> All right, it was directed by William Friedkin, and uh, he wasn't the first choice for this, Steve. He wasn't. No, they also wanted um, what is it, Arthur Penn? Okay. And Stanley Kubrick. Oh, okay. I could kind of see that. He didn't write it. He won't gonna do it. Yes. <laughs> Besides which, he had to go over budget and spend way too much time on that fucking mid what that eighteenth century drama that he made. Oh, it? Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon. The, that 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 like two and a half hour demonstration film for camera lenses. <laughs> And uh, then uh, they also asked asked Mike Nichols, you know, the guy who did The Graduate. Yeah. I see a lot of connective tissue between between those two movies. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, you know William Friedman. He also made The French Connection and nothing else after this. <laughs> <laughs> now, he made movies after this. Just none of them blew up like, like, these, like those two did. No. Right? No, no. It was produced by William Peter Blatty. And uh, he wrote the book. And uh, he's known for also producing The Exorcist 3 and nothing else. <laughs> and that didn't turn out so good either. I mean, yeah, it was, I like The Exorcist 3. You back off. It's, it's a lot better than The Exorcist 2. I'll give it that. I like it better than The Exorcist 1. Wow. Oh, so you're one of those. Well, let's, let's put it this way. It focused on one of the only really interesting characters from the first movie. Yeah, that's And true. it was played by George C. Scott. So there you so go. So there was no way... George C. Scott's outbursts in Exorcist 3 are just delicious to watch. <laughs> His monologue about the fish in the bathtub is maybe one of my favorite monologues from movies ever. <laughs> I want to kill that fish. <laughs> If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go find Exorcist 3. I think it's free on Amazon right now. Um, if you have, you know, if you jump through their little corporate hoops and you've become a Prime member. <laughs> jump through their little corporate hoops. Yeah. It was also written by William Peter Blatty, which is based on his book. So, yay. That explains why some of the stuff is in there, I think. Like some of the stuff that we didn't really need. It's like the whole beginning. Why Why is that in there? Why did we need that? Did it inform us of anything else? <laughs> but okay. It's in the book. It's in the movie. It's in the book. Starring Ellen Burstyn as Chris McNeil. Um, she wasn't the first person they wanted for the role, Steve. Really? Yeah. The first person that they asked and would only agree to if they shot in Rome because... That's what they wanted was um, Audrey Hepburn. Oh. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. So then they asked Anne Bancroft. And Anne Bancroft said, I'm pregnant. (laughs) Can you wait until after I've had Max Brooks, that baby? You know, Max Brooks, he wrote World War Z. Um, They said, I don't want to wait nine months. And so then they turned her down. Then they asked Jane Fonda. And you know what Jane Fonda said of the script? (laughs) What did she say? She said it was capitalist ripoff bullshit. (gasps) Hey, Steve, who did she marry eventually? Oh, Jane Fonda? Yeah. Uh, I believe it was uh, billionaire Ted Turner. 
Yeah, that yeah. capitalist, Ted Turner. Yeah. Also, isn't it funny that a person that works in Hollywood and makes movies, I guess, thinks that that's not a capitalist venture? <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> Is she only is she only making movies produced by communes? I guess so. I guess. Good <sighs> anyway, for her if that's the uh, case. I don't think that's the case. You know Ellen Burstyn from uh, Last Picture Show yeah. and uh, Requiem for a Dream. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which is more upsetting and scary than this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Jason Miller plays father slash doctor Damian Karras. Um, and he was not the first person they wanted, Steve. He wasn't. I'm I'm sensing a pattern here. Yeah. First, they wanted to ask Marlon Brando, and uh, they decided, no, if we put Marlon Brando in the movie, then it becomes a Marlon Brando movie, yeah. and we don't know how we're going to hide the cue cards for him to read during the exorcism <laughs> scene. <sighs> Just put the earpiece in his ear, facing away from the camera. This is easy. Right. Then they thought Jack Nicholson, but they didn't want him either. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And then they signed Stacy Keach. No, that would have been interesting. He signed the contract. But then, um, you know, William Friedkin saw Jason Miller in a play, and then it turned out that Jason Miller had actually gone to seminary school and was a Catholic. And he tested really well. And uh, Ellen Burson didn't want him to be in it because she said he was too short and not because she was also trying to get her boyfriend to play that role. But then he said, fuck you and fuck everybody. I want this guy. <laughs> and they cast him. Linda Blair as Reagan McNeil. And she's not done anything. <laughs> no. This movie. She did Exorcist 2, and she's done a bunch of TV, and that's really about and it. A bunch of TV and a bunch of really awful movies. Yeah. And, you know, straight to video shit, and no one's really, you know, she'll make little cameos and stuff every once in a while, but she really hasn't. She's been flying on the Exorcist uh, money for a while. Yeah. For a while, I would say. Which is too bad, because she's really good in this. And she probably would have turned out to be a great actress. I think she um, probably would have, yeah. Yeah, but then she started dating rock stars and coke and rock stars and more coke and then <laughs> rock stars and then booze and coke. And then, you know, <laughs> it's hard to maintain a career like that. Max von Sydow has father Lancaster Marin, the titular, titular whirl as the exorcist. The exorcist himself. He was a 44-year-old playing a 74-year-old. And boy, does he do it good, doesn't he? Steve? Oh, you, yeah. You have to. I mean, when you're watching the movie, you you buy it completely. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just the makeup, which was good. It's the way he moves. Yeah. It's the way he 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 moves and acts like an older person. Yeah. He and, sells uh, how frail he is, and yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and you guys know him from uh, Jesus. Let's see, um, the uh, Flash Gordon. The Seventh Seal. Go pick an... You know, he's in, like, nine um, Bergman films. Yeah. He's like... He's, you know... If you really want to hurt yourself, watch The Greatest Story Ever Told. There's <laughs> Jesus in that. And, unfortunately, we lost him this last March. Yeah. At the age of 90. Yeah. One of the all-time greats. Yes. Lee J. Cobb, speaking of which... Mm -hmm. <laughs> ...is Lieutenant William F. Kinderman. And uh, you guys know him from 12 Angry Men... 
and on the waterfront yep. and a whole bunch of other movies. Oh boy. And this is a much different character than he's ever been ever played before. Yeah, for sure. And this is actually where my my last bit of trivia comes in. Well, okay, go um, for it. Because Lee Jacob is legitimately one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Ever, I absolutely mm-hmm. love him. I love him in this. I love him in everything I've ever seen him in. And there's an interesting little quirk about Lee J. Cobb's characters that I thought you would appreciate, if you probably know it already. But uh, Lee J. Cobb's character in The Exorcist, as you already mentioned, was was reprised for The Exorcist 3, and he was played by George C. Scott. Mm-hmm. Scott, that's he plays Detective Kinderman in, uh, in Exorcist 3. Same character, different actors. Yeah, yeah same character. Uh, and that happened a second time, because one of Lee J. Cobb's most famous performances, and probably mm-hmm. and probably his my favorite of all of his film performances, is as uh, the last holdout uh, in, in the jury in Twelve Angry Men. Yep. And when they remade Twelve Angry Men for Showtime in the '90s, that role, originated by Lee J. Cobb on film, was once again played by George C. Scott. Another good production of that, by the way. Yeah, the, yeah, the, it was. It was. I don't. I don't think it's as good as the uh, the, the 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 movie. The, the, but but it's very very good. It's very good. Yeah. And a, oh my god, an incredible cast. If you don't know so, who he is, go find his movies. He's go great. Find Lee J. Cobb's yeah, movies. He's a legend. Mm-hmm. Kitty Wynn as Sharon Spencer. Nothing. Jack McGowan <laughs> as Burke Denny's. Nothing. Father William O'Malley as Father Joseph Dyer. Nothing except for a sexual assault charge in 2019 where it said that he sexually assaulted someone over a period of years in the late 80s. That, so doesn't, that doesn't sound right. A Catholic priest? Mm-hmm. And he was, right. he was a father, Father William O'Malley, and he liked to act and do stuff. So I think he's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> Father Thomas Bergman is Tom, the president of the Georgetown University. And yeah, you heard me right. He's another father. He acted as the religious consultant on this film and other films that featured spooky devil stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Peter Masterson is Dr. Berenger, and you might recognize him from uh, The Stepford Wives. Roger Simmons is Dr. Taney. Nothing. Barton Heyman as Dr. Samuel Klein. Nothing. Rudolf Schundler as Carl, the house servant. Nothing. Arthur Storch as the psychiatrist. Nothing. <laughs> Mercedes Cambridge as the voice of Pazuzu. She was famous for radio, um, but she did a lot of TV and movies. But, you know, when I say nothing, guys, you know what I mean. I mean, I think they're nothing. <laughs> Their lives you know are worth I mean? nothing. Means they, they did stuff, but nothing ever is big as what we're featuring right. them in. Right. You wouldn't know them from something else, probably. Right. And Eileen Deet says the face of Pazuzu, that lady that Steve tried to throw under the bus. Um, <laughs> Why can't you let me erase her work? <laughs> let me erase her career, please. Music by Jack Nietzsche. Um, uh, he did the soundtracks for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, he's the guy who wrote that god-awful song, Up Where We Belong. Oh. For an officer and a gentleman. Boy, that's. I mean, you're you're really. That he's paying. He's got pay for that at some point. I, well, I'm just thinking, um, like his, you know, his his main theme for The Exorcist is one of the great like creepy music themes mm-hmm. ever, and it's like so yeah. that's on the good side, and on the bad side is the fucking <laughs> song from be- an officer and a gentleman. Where <laughs> we belong, which is how we're gonna end when we finally end the show. We'll both sing that together. I'm I'm at ready. The end. I've been pra- <laughs> I, I've been I've been practicing every day. Um, he also did uh, Starman and Stand By Me and a bunch of other movies. 
Cinematography by o- Owen Roisman, and uh, he did The French Connection and The Adams Family movie. Edited by Evan Lotman and Norman Gay. Nothing. <laughs> I couldn't find anything. I'm sure they worked on other stuff. They must have. I don't think they just hired two chumps off the street to cut this movie together. <laughs> hey, you, you ever edited a movie? I'm drunk. Can you run I'll a movie? Do oh, come here. So long as I don't have to give another sloppy blowjob, I'll do whatever you want. You just, you just stop There's the film and cut and it when tape. I say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's all it takes to edit a movie. Yeah, just take the scissors and the tape, cut it where I tell you. Production company Hoya Productions, distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures, release date December 26, 1973. Running time 121 minutes. Budget 12 million. Adjusted for inflation 69.2 million. Box office, $441.3 million. Adjusted for inflation, $2.5 billion. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, anybody who claims to be box office champ now. You never adjust for inflation, you assholes. <laughs> I believe adjusted for inflation, it is, it is the most profitable R-rated movie ever released. Oh, yeah, I yeah. believe that. Yeah. I believe that. So Until take that, Passion of the Christ. One of these days they're going to make that R-rated My Little Ponies movie and it'll knock it right off the top spot. Oh, uh, boy. I've been hearing about it for years. I'm sure it'll be <laughs> mind-blowing. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Steve. Yes. Are you ready to go um, skipping happily into this wonderment and merriment movie? Yes. Called The Exorcist? Yes. We're going to try to ignore the fact that this popularized the idea of exorcism, mm-hmm. which is an awful, violent act usually perpetrated against the mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Or just kids who act up. <laughs> yeah, and just general, and, you know, based on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, let's just say some, some spurious fundamental ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unconfirmed accounts of stuff. Yeah. And every once in a while, an exorcism will kill somebody. But, you know, whatever. I mean... The movie can't be held responsible for that. They're just telling us a movie with spook-em-ups and pee pants. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, you ready, Steve? Oh, I'm ready. All right, here's your holy water. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Don't tell him that it's actually just tap water. Oh, okay, okay. No, not you. Oh, you heard it. God damn it. Okay, here's some... Totally holy water, Steve. Oh, cool. The real thing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And your crucifix. Thank you. You got, you got that? I'm going to um, kiss here, his little gonna, feet. We're going to put on the clothes that slaughterhouse people wear because I hear it's going to get messy. So put on your face shield. <laughs> Give me a nice heavy leather apron. It's uh, kind of yeah. like we're going to a Gallagher show. <laughs> <laughs> no, not as scary. No, that's true. Or, or sad. sad. Yes! <laughs> And let's run into the world of The Exorcist. Steve, take it away. Let me take you away to lovely Iraq. Yay, Iraq. Nothing bad ever happens no. there. Actually, I mean, I mean, like just visually, it is a lovely place. It's not Iraq. It it's not Iraq's fault that it's been bombed into the Stone Age you a couple mean of back times when by Iraq was a secular democracy. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Before, Wonder what happened there? The fuck all that up. I don't know, but I'm sure we had nothing to do with it. That's right. We're America. We don't get involved in no. other people's business. That's right. Especially if they have massive oil reserves. 
No, they just have archaeological sites. Yeah, and that's where we 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 find uh, we're at an archaeological dig, and somebody has found something because this little kid goes running through the dig, and he finds this old man who's like you know digging against a wall. He looks like Indiana Jones. Yeah, all it, old. I mean, well, Indiana Jones now, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, and he the, the little kid finds this this old oh, guy. Oh, why who, couldn't it have been Indiana Jones that performs the exorcism? Oh, that uh, now see that is a mashup that needs to happen. You can see it on the poster. Instead of the sh- the, the outline of of uh, Father Marin, it's Indiana Jones with his whip and his gun out. Oh, absolutely! Come on, I have good ideas. Indiana Jones and the exorcism, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, anyway, so the it, it's it's not <laughs> in the bedroom of horror. Come on, the bedroom. Oh, come on, that's it. The bedroom of horror. <laughs> um, yeah. So and anyway, it's not Indiana Jones. It's actually Father Marin. Yes. And he's he's digging up some artifacts, and the, this yeah. kid is like, "They found something. Come on, check it out." Yeah, and he goes and he checks it out, and he finds this rock, and yeah. inside this rock is like a little is a cute little demon head. Yeah. And he goes, "Huh." Uh, yeah. And then we get to watch Father Marin wander around Iraq for a little while. <laughs> yep, he goes, gets something to eat, kind of walks through the street. Mm-hmm, goes, goes to this place yeah. where the clock stops. Yeah. It's scary so far, the clock stops. Yeah, ooh. And then he, uh, he goes back to the dig site. Yeah. He sees this and big we're statue. 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he sees this big statue and he climbs up and stands across from it. And he's like looking at the little figurine that they found and looking at the, the statue. And some dogs are fighting. Dogs are fighting. There's like a weird guy standing close to him, like staring at him. Like, what's your deal, man? Why is he weird? He's just standing there. But he looks like creepy. He's like staring at him. He like, doesn't Ooh. look creepy. He's just standing there. He's wearing, you know what? This is your racial but bias. But he's just standing there all by himself just up like some at desert him. guy. <laughs> He's just staring at him. Like, what, what's your free country? He can stare at anybody he wants. He's to. eyeballing White him. guys wandering around their ancient dig sites, staring at a demon statue. He's eyeballing him. That's interesting. <laughs> he probably went home and said, "I went out to the dig site, and I just happened to glance at the white man, and he became upset." <laughs> <laughs> You'll never guess who I saw. Max von Sydow. What's he doing here? He was made up to look like an old man, but it was definitely him. Yeah, and there's a big musical thing, and then wham. We're in Georgetown. Yeah, good old, our, our nation's capital. That's right. And we are seeing um, Chris McNeil, who is a famous actress. That's right. And she is on set because she is making a movie about something. Yep, something. Some kind of student protest or something. Yeah, we meet Jack uh, Burke, who is the director, and she does a scene, and then she goes home. When do we meet? Because all of this is mixed together, so I know I'm going to get the, all this shit mixed up. Yeah, and then we meet. Um, then we meet Father. What's his well? Yeah, Fa- Father Karras is like in the uh, is, is like in the crowd gathered around watching them. Yeah, shoot. and he leaves and he walks away. Yeah, and then he he I don't know punches something or plays basketball. I don't know what he does. Yeah, well, he's in there like when when uh, when Chris is walking home, she sees him like talking to somebody outside. He's like, talking to Father Dyer. Yeah. And he's like, I want to quit. And he's like, you can't do it. And he's like, yeah, I want to quit. I want, I want bigger things. I'm, I want, I want to kiss a lady once, please. <laughs> Before I quit. die. Because they're both, they're because they're both, you know, priests and they can't kiss a lady. Right. Because that'd be bad for reasons. Anyway, yeah. She, 
he sees her working, she sees him working. Yeah. Right. Balance. It's, it's, it is. It's beautiful, really. Yeah. And she goes home, and she talks to her daughter, and her daughter is who, Steve? Her daughter is Reagan. Yeah. Who is 12, and she yeah, wants she, a horse. She says, she can I have a horse, horse, please? And she's like, no, fuck you. She's like, you go to hell. <laughs> Get back in your closet. Yeah, yeah, you ain't getting nothing. Well, but she wants a horse, and they're just temporarily living right. in Georgetown while they're filming the movie. Right. And she says, maybe when we get back to our palatial palace, you'll be able to, you'll be able to get a horse. Please, German hand man, hand handyman, manservant, whatever you are, who always calls me Mrs. Yeah. And I caught you see Heiling my picture the <laughs> yeah. other day. I told you I'm not good with that. Please that... take her away. <laughs> and then we meet Karis's mommy. Yeah. She lives home. all by herself in a depressing slum apartment. She has no grandchildren because her only son decided to not like women no more. Yeah. And dedicate his life to God. And yeah. he's also a psychiatrist. He is. He's a priest psychiatrist. Yes, he is. And a gunslinger. Sure he is. <laughs> and a rock star. And a rock star. <laughs> and an astronaut. Anyway, she's like, oh, Johnny, <laughs> whatever his name Dimmy. is. She calls him Dimmy. His, Dimmy. Oh, his, Dimmy. Na- his name is Damien, but she calls him Dimmy. Oh, Dimmy. Why you not come visit Dimmy? I oh, miss you so much, Dimmy. He's like, shut up, shut up. Uh, just hurry up and die so I can feel guilty about it. Right. And so we have a lot of this kind of gradual setup for stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, she, Chris thinks that she hears rats based on something she hears and she goes down and tells the German guy who is once again put on his uniform she told him no <laughs> but he's still wearing it and she's like there's rats upstairs go up and kill him and he's like yes mistress I will go exterminate the rats I will okay. get all okay. the rats for you okay just none of that shit just <laughs> and then her daughter she's they're like rummaging around and she picks up a Ouija board you know, that board game from Parker Brothers? Yeah, exactly. That is not a cult at all. It's no. just a fucking it's parlor a, game. It's a party favor, exactly. But it turns out <laughs> she's been talking to someone on the Ouija board named Captain Howdy. Captain Captain Howdy? Yeah. Um, what, said that she can get a horse or something? I don't know. I guess something. She's got quite a thing going with Captain Howdy. Yeah, and her mom's like, oh, what are you and Captain Howdy... What, does Captain Howdy think I'm pretty because everything's about me because I'm an actress? <laughs> and she asks Captain Howdy, and Captain Howdy, does he say no or he doesn't answer? He doesn't answer. Yeah, and she's like, that's very rude, Captain Howdy. And and she, and the mom gets upset and runs upstairs and takes a look at every line crease and wrinkle on her face and wonders how much longer she's going to be able to make movies in Hollywood because Captain Howdy wouldn't say that she's pretty. And how can she sell to the undead market if she's not completely pretty? And then she wraps her face in a hot towel and lays down and weeps in the bathtub. Yep. Or am I am I reading into it? I, I think that happens maybe off camera. Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't actually see that. Anyway, so uh, more stuff of uh, uh, Damien just kind of wandering around. Yeah, and there's a scene where he uh, he meets with Father Dyer and he tells him that he wants to be yeah. reassigned. He doesn't want to be a psychiatrist anymore, and he's no. lost his faith. Yeah, he's like he's bummed out. Yeah. He's faithless, and we see him like walking through the slums. 
and we see him like they, he's a homeless guy. Oh yeah, his life's so hard, and <laughs> he's just kind of like done. But eventually, oh, okay, so a couple other things happen. Chris, Chris goes upstairs, up into the attic because she could have sworn she told that kraut kill the rats <laughs> but she still hears the yeah. rats and she goes upstairs and she's looking around for the rats and then her she goes up with a candelabra like you do in modern times not sure. a flashlight no a candelabra a candle, sure of course and the candelabra flares up yeah and that's scary that's Ooh, weird boy must have been a gas pocket thrill an hour in this movie and so then she gets scared because you know, he Carl pops up and goes, "Gold! I I swear I was trying to kill them, but they all escaped, <laughs> just like the war. That's why I was sent to the front in Russia. <laughs> I hate all of my friends. <laughs> rats, rats. <laughs> anyway, she didn't think. Oh, I must have a gas leak because no. of the flame thing. No, she's just like, I want you to kill all the rats. God damn it." Yeah, she kind of just blows right by the flame thing, which to me is the most concerning incident. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like I mean, that doesn't dangerous. Just, that doesn't just happen. No. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're getting introduced to these characters in the quietest, slowest way possible. Mm-hmm. So then she has a party. Mm-hmm. And all of her friends are over, all of her movie-making friends, and Father Dyer for some reason. Yeah. Why is he there? I think probably because they're shooting the movie at the campus where he works, yeah. and I guess maybe yeah. they met through there. He's like involved with the production somehow. That, that was what right. I figured. I, I think she hired. She thought oh, it would be so funny if I hired a priest for this party. And <laughs> do you rent out priests for parties? <laughs> I just think it would be darling if we could have a priest. Mm-hmm. And Father Dyer was standing naked or wearing his scuba suit, imagining what life would be if he wasn't a priest. <laughs> and he get a phone call, and he's like, "Oh, dial a priest." Oh, thank goodness. But he's there playing the piano, and he's having a great time. People are getting in fights. Burke calls somebody a Nazi, and the guy attacks him. Yeah. And he's real super drunk, and someone has to lead him out of the party. Yeah. But the party just has to be ruined by kids. They can never stay quiet, and they can never stay in their closet where Mommy told you to stay because she doesn't want you embarrassing her in front of her Hollywood friends. Also, she doesn't really want to be necessarily associated with a child because that makes her look old, especially when a child is 12. People start doing math. Well, if she had her 18, that means that she's in her mid-30s, and no one's going to hire a mid-30s actress. Then you run into the bathroom, and you stare at your face for a very long time wondering who you're marketable to. Then you wrap a hot towel around your face Bind your breasts, go lay down in the tub and cry some more. And you can't enjoy your party if you do that. Right, Steve? Right. So, like, just get back under the stairs and eat your stale bread. <laughs> but she don't do that. No, she takes a tinkle. She <laughs> comes downstairs and says what? Well, there, one of the guests at the party is an astronaut. And he was talking, we heard him chit-chatting about, you know, he's going to go up to, you know, he's, he has a mission coming up. And she, Reagan comes in, she's in her nightgown, and she looks right at the astronaut guy, and she says, mm-hmm. you're going to die up there. Mm-hmm. And, then she, and then she pisses on the floor. Yeah. So, you know. Embarrassing. A little embarrassing. And so uh, that happened. Yep. Kids. Am I right? And then, and then one night... <laughs> 
because she's talking about how she couldn't sleep because her bed was moving. She woke up one morning in her mom's bed. Right, right. And then um, we hear stuff going on in Reagan's bedroom. And she runs in, and Reagan's bedroom looks like one of those... You know, one of those... It's an old toy, so I don't blame anybody who doesn't know it. But it's like that popcorn popping machine toy where you push it and it pops those little colored balls oh, in the yeah. dome. Yeah, yeah, that's what's happening with Reagan's bed. Yeah. She's the balls, and the bed is that popcorn popping. <laughs> it's just thing. jumping all over the place. It's just jumping all over the place. Yeah. You know, Chris freaks out, jumps on top of the bed, and holds her, and then we cut away. Right, Steve? Yep. So like any parent who saw her child on an uncontrolled bed, what does she do? <laughs> she takes her kid to the doctor. Why? Because maybe she has some kind of disease that makes her bed jump that around. That makes her bed jump <laughs> down? Yeah. Maybe she's looking at it as, okay, there are two separate issues here. The bed is jumping around for some reason. I'll get to yeah. that. But maybe she has some emotional disturbance, which explains the, you know, the, the wishing death on the astronaut and peeing on the carpet. <laughs> maybe, they're, maybe they're related, right, Steve? Maybe. Maybe not. Right. But maybe, yeah. And she's been acting a little weird. Yeah. So why not? We'll take her to the doctor. What does the doctor tell her? Get her head examined. Uh, the, well, they, they, they do like a brain scan on her. And uh, and okay, they give her an angiogram. One of the worst parts of this movie. Go on. For me, the scene where they actually have to put a shunt. Yes. Into her artery. Yes. The, is the for the angiogram. Scene, yeah. Is the worst scene in this movie that I never watch, mainly because they actually did it. Yeah. And that's the problem I have. And so it's it's bad. It's awful. It's an awful scene, and yeah. I don't like it. And also, uh, what what do we have so far? She peed on the rug, and then she had the hippity hop bed. <laughs> right. And so let's do this to her. Yeah. Why not? Fuck exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And also, uh, the bloodiest scene in in the entire movie. Mm, um, yeah, for the most part. I would think. Yeah, but any and uh, but yeah. So they 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 give her an angiogram and do a brain scan on her, and the mm -hmm. they 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 don't see anything on any of the films. But the doctor says, no. well, she must have a lesion. That's probably what's causing this. Yeah, and we can't. We just haven't. Yeah, like we just we can't see it yet for some reason. But that's probably what it is. That's some kind but of. What else does she do to help cure her daughter? She has someone hypnotize oh, her. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Eventually, she does go to a psychiatrist. Because yeah. that's a thing, right, Steve? Yeah, hypnotism is totally real and valid. Just like possession. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, now who's in you? I want to talk to them. Who's that funny person that lives inside of you? I just want to talk to them. And what does the person that's living inside her do? Oh, what does he do? She grabs his oh, dick. Oh, yeah, that's right. She gra <laughs> yeah, she grabs him by the like by the balls and he's like, "Okay, and sorry." Slams him on the floor. Didn't mean to bother you. Oopsie. Meanwhile, mom is still kind of on the fence about what's going on despite everything that she's seen. Yeah. Un until she gets home and there's a couple of doctors with her, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, she's about to. There's, there's a commotion upstairs. Yeah, something's going on. Hmm, wonder what it is. Would you like to tell the nice people what's going on upstairs? Oh, sure. Um, so, uh, 
They walk into the room, and Reagan is doing some sit-ups. Oh yeah, there's the, that she, one. She's where doing she's some doing sit-ups, sit-ups, and you know, and then her and her neck inflates. Her neck inflates, which I mean, that doesn't seem normal to me. No, not at all. And they're like, "Huh, that's weird." Uh, she uh, she throws one of the doctors across the room, right? And speaks in a different voice and says, that's right. And says, "Keep away, the sow is mine." Right, in a different, completely, in different a completely voice. different voice. And then they're like, maybe it's lupus. <laughs> exactly. Dr. House comes limping in. <laughs> Let me see if I understand what the symptoms are. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take five days to diagnose this. You should be dead before then, but let me think. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. It's, it's Lyme's disease. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's another time where she comes in with the doctor, Steve. Oh, there is. Yes, there is. And that's the one I wanted to force you to say, but I guess I got it. Oh, no, I'll, it I'll, I'll, I'll took the baby one. Well, I'll no, take I'll the grown up I'll, one. I'll, I'll do it. I mean, I don't care. It's, no, I mean, I'll talk now about, I'm I'll doing t- it. I'll talk now, about oh, now the, you want it too bad. <laughs> I'll talk about the most fucked up scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> she walks in with the doctors. No, she walks in by herself. Yeah, for this one, I think. Yeah. And, 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 um, Reagan's well. Somebody left a crucifix. Discovering her womanhood. Somebody <laughs> left a crucifix in the room. Yeah, and there's this big plot point where she's accusing everyone of losing, leaving a crucifix. She's like, "God, but Carl, Carl, did you leave this crucifix under my daughter's bed?" And he's like, "No, my fear, I would never do such a thing. <laughs> I have left many things underneath her bed: porno magazines, propaganda, <laughs> all of my war medals. But that crucifix, no, never nine. <laughs> and she's like, and then she interrogates the housekeeper, and she's right. like, "I'd never." And her assistant, and she's like, "No, why would I? Stupid." Right? Yeah. It's a big thing, but she's got her hands on it. Yes, she does. And since no one told it, told her what it was, she got a little busy. Yes, she did. And what was she doing, Steve? She was, um, let's just say, um, inserting it quite energetically. Quite doing. energetically. <laughs> that was not. That was a stabbing motion. She was stabbing herself with the crucifix in in a very tender area. In the vagina, in just the, say it. In the, va- in the vagina, <laughs> while 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 crying out, and I quote in a demon voice. In a demon voice, let Jesus fuck you, <laughs> let Jesus fuck you. At which point, I'm sure quite a few of our parents' generation just got up and walked the fuck out of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. But what not very many people talk about after that Mm -hmm. is what she did next which is just as bad if not worse mom runs up and tries to get the crucifix out of her hand she she reagan's now standing up in the bed yeah and she does what steve she grabs her mom by the side of the head forces her head into her crotch and says lick me (laughs) lick me and it's you know I mean at that and point you have to question some of your parenting decisions like yeah. how have I gotten to this point how have <laughs> how have I failed this child so utterly and then then Reagan slaps her across the room yeah where Ellen Burstyn actually hurt her um her tailbone yeah and the scream that she lets out is real. <laughs> 
And then um, she reaches out for her assistant, who's been, I don't know, staring at a painting. <laughs> and hasn't made it into the room yet. And uh, the door slams shut. And a uh, chair goes up against it. Yeah. And then the dresser drawer is like, let me get some of this. <laughs> and comes rolling towards her. And then uh, she crawls over to the door because she wants to get out. And then what does is, what is Reagan say? She's sitting on the bed, and what happens? Oh, this is this when she her head turns all the way around? Nope, this is when her head turns way too far, but not all the way around. Oh, that's right, yeah. Because she's sitting away from Mom, and her head swivels yeah. around, and she says, Did you see what you did? Your cunting daughter. In Yeah, which we, I think we forgot to mention, in the voice of Burke, who, who, who uh, was found dead. Oh, we forgot yeah. to mention that he, part. Yeah, he was found dead. Uh, he had fallen down the steps beside their house, and his head was turned all the way around backwards when they right. found him. So that was him. a reference and to that's, that. And that's where we get to meet, um, that's when we meet Kinnaman. Yeah. Because he's investigating the murder. Because there's no way his head got it turned all the way around. No. And and he's like, huh. <laughs> he's got fine. He's got fine. So what we learn about Kinnaman is he likes... He likes Movies, yes, and um, he he wants to find out who the he thinks there's a really big guy that broke his neck, right? And uh, he's in the meantime he's investigating this, and also in the meantime, um, uh, Damien's mom died, yeah, all alone in the hospital, and he feels bad about that. He does because. He, he can picture in his head where she's like, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, I'm dying, Jimmy. Don't, where are you, Jimmy? Are you Jimmy? No, I'm the orderly. Can you be Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> we'll pretend, okay? Look sadder and wear all black. You're Jimmy now. And be no help to me at all. <laughs> anyway, he goes, for some reason, she's in the loony bin. <laughs> right. Because he has to walk past all of these crazy people, and then, you know, she's dead. Way to go. Yeah. Way to go, Damien. <laughs> so that doesn't help his whole I'm, I've lost my faith, faith thing. No, he's right? really bummed out now. Yeah, He's pretty bummed out. Um, and everybody's bummed out at this point, <laughs> except for the demon, who seems to be having a great oh, time. Oh, he is living his best life in that bedroom, for sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Kinnaman uh, wants to talk to Father Damien because... Um, there's a oh boy, there's a, a very tenuous justification. I can't, well, I can't remember. There was there was an act of desecration in the church. Oh yeah, we we skipped yeah. over that part. <laughs> and yeah, we're yeah. Uh, and Someone put boobies in a great big penis on the Virgin Mary. Yeah, so you know, and that happened like the day before the yeah. before Burke was killed. So you know, there's a big word that they didn't understand written behind it that said Banksy on it. And <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. How long has he been alive? Um, <laughs> so so Kinderman is like, well, you know, somebody desecrated the church, and then this guy gets killed, yeah. like you know, just down the street. Maybe they're connected. So. He, yeah. yeah, and when was Burke in her room? Um, well, because uh, we never see that murder, do we? No, no. He's just uh, what. There's the scene where Chris comes home, and nobody else is home. 
And then her right. and, and she's pissed off and her assistant comes back and her assistant says, well, I had to run out to the drugstore and Burke was here and he said he was going to hang out and make sure Reagan was okay. But then when she got oh, back, right. when she got back, uh, Burke was gone. And then right. that's right after that is when they find out that he's dead. Right. Yeah. Because Reagan's window looks over that staircase. Right. Right. And um, so we got all these things moving, don't we, Steve? Mm-hmm. Kenderman's doing the investigation and asking Father Damien if he wants to go see a movie with him because he's desperately lonely or something. <laughs> um, Chris is slowly going crazy. <laughs> because eventually what happens is after the doctors have done all of the tests and done all of the things, they literally tell her to go find an exorcist. Yes. And they, they're justification. Doctors. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And and she, her her reaction is not to immediately go get new doctors. <laughs> yeah, they say basically their their justification for it. They say, look, uh, this is pretty out there, and it might not work. But yeah. in some cases like this, if the person really believes they are possessed by a demon, an exorcism can work because psychologically, like they'll go along with it. And if they believe mm-hmm. in the power of the exorcism, just like they believe in right. the demon, then it can it can help. Um, Have you seen that work? I know. No. <laughs> huh, we didn't even huh. test it. We're scientists. I'm just, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to get rid of you at this point. Yeah, at this point, <laughs> we just want to get you out before you think about suing us. <laughs> right. So, bye. I can't help you, so I'm trying to get rid of you. Have luck. How about institutionalize your daughter? Thorazine, uh, Thorazine drip in a padded room. That's what we <laughs> recommend. Which, which is what Karis says at first. I know he does. <laughs> he says even after I think well, yeah, well so, we haven't gotten yeah, there. We haven't yet. Gotten we haven't there gotten yeah, we haven't gotten there. Yeah, she yeah. So then Kinnaman shows up at her house. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, your daughter's sick and she's like, Yeah and she's like, I don't know, and no she's always been alone. No one was up there. Burke couldn't have been up there. That's crazy. You're crazy. There's no way that Burke was no, I'm not telling you what we already know that Burke was there by himself and so there and then he asked her for an autograph. Which is cute as fucking... He, this is the... It's a really he good... He is so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his embarrassment when he has... First he tells her it's for his daughter, and then he has to admit that it's for him. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, mom's at her wit's end. She doesn't know what she could do. Why did she have the baby? I mean, it got her in the newspapers for a little while, but <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was a bump in her... You know, it got her, it got her some work. She's just got to go mommy dearest on her. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's a fight. Oh, yeah. That is a fight. Yeah, baby. Joan Crawford versus Possessed Reagan. That's that's who she should have called instead of the priests. (laughs) She wasn't doing nothing. Um, (laughs) So... so, I'm not uh, angry at you. I'm angry at the demon. That's right. She happens across Father Damien, like at a park or something. Yeah, I think. Right? Th- is, is, does it seem like they were they had arranged to meet? Because I don't know. Because he wa- because he, so. he walks up to her, and at first she thinks that he's like some kind of like a fan or something. And she's just like, "Leave me alone!" And then he's like, "No, I'm Father Karras. And she's like, "Oh." So I don't know. And, yeah, I don't know either. Anyway, he's like talking to her, and he's like, "I think your daughter's bonkers." And you should just put her up in, a, in a, a crazy... You can afford it. You can afford it. You can find a nice mental hospital somewhere and just lock her up for the rest of her life. 
You didn't want her anyway. <laughs> a horse. <laughs> Only a rich kid would beg for a horse, and you go, ah, we'll see. I just love to rewrite this scene. It's just Karis, like, bitterly going off on her. <laughs> like, like, like oh. I don't care about your rich. Your My mom died in a slum. <laughs> I'm supposed to care about your fucking kid. I wasn't even there. God. Acting out because oh, she sorry. didn't get a horse, and her daddy didn't call her on her birthday. Boo buy fucking who. Fucking, buy her a fucking tennis bracelet and shut the fuck Leave up. Leave me alone. And just storms off. <laughs> My life is in the shitter, lady. The shitter. But he agrees to come see her. Yeah. Right? And it goes really well. They they, they chit-chat. They get a lot off their chest. <laughs> <laughs> now he shows up and he's like, hey, how you doing? And the demon's like, hey. What, I'm a, I, what's I, up? I'm the devil. And he's like, sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, what? No, I really am. I totally am. And then what do they do? He just kind of has this interview with Yeah, him. well, he the, the, the demon says, uh, Karis, your mother is in here with us. Yeah, yeah. And Karis says, well, if that's true, then what was her maiden name? And the demon can't answer. The demon doesn't. And the demon's like, oh, shit, I forgot to ask that. God damn it. I, I came prepared. I, I could have sworn. Oh. <laughs> Would you I please really hand me her my notes? She's boiling in a pot of piss right now. <laughs> she's not going to give me a straight answer no matter how I ask her, unless her last name is, ah, why, why me? Actually, what happens is uh, Reagan uh, projectile vomits on Karis. That's right. And the director told him, don't worry, it's going to hit you in the chest. <laughs> and he lies. He's a liar. And because he was that kind of director. Oh, yeah. You know. The kind of director that shoots a gun with blanks on it to get reactions out of people. Which is, which is also something that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The kind of director that doesn't trust actors to be able to, you know, act. Right. Anyway, he doesn't like that very much. No. Getting puked on. No, I mean, who would, really? Right. Um, and then he like leaves, and he's like, "Your daughter is your problem, lady." <laughs> yeah, you put her in a. He says, "He says I recommend six months under observation in the best hospital you can find." Uh -huh. But he comes back, right? Yeah. Well, for, I think first, doesn't he? He talks to uh, Father Dyer, yeah. and he's like, "What about yeah. the exorcism? Do we even do that anymore?" And you know, and he's like, "Apparently, he's like I know just the guy." <laughs> well, but but before the church can authorize yeah. an exorcism, they need proof. Right. So, so he comes back with the tape. Comes recorder. back with a tape recorder. Yeah. And they have another little chit chat, and then Reagan starts talking in voices and things moving around. And is this the scene where um, Help Me appears on her stomach? Yes. And he's like, huh, well, That's I weird. guess it's not lupus or crazy. That's okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes back and he plays it to some dude. Um, I guess it's another priest that specializes in audio recordings. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's backwards. And he plays it backwards and he hears a bunch of spooky voices. And then... <laughs> and then we cut to two of the other priests talking about it. Right. And they're like, do we really want to do this exorcism thing? Are we seriously going to do this? And, yeah. and one of them says, well, if we're going to do it, you know, Karis can be there and he can be, he can assist. Like they're doing surgery. He can right. assist. Uh, but to actually be the lead guy, we need someone with experience. So yeah. get Max von Sydow on the blower because he's, he's, our, he's right. our man. And we cut to Max von Sydow just wandering around outside <laughs> yeah. in 
And it's established earlier when he was in Iraq that he takes nitroglycerin pills because he has a bad heart. Right. So they said, let's get the guy with the bad heart. <laughs> to and perform he an exorcism. And he's like, I'll be right there. Yeah. And he puts on his armor of God. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then he shows up in the poster. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we have exactly 30 minutes left of the movie. Yep, but hold on because shit's about to get real from here. <laughs> he shows up. Father Damien is there. He gets some warnings. Don't let. Don't listen to what the demon says. And I might hit her a lot with a bat. <laughs> and just that's normal. It's totally normal. Technically, I am not hitting a child. I'm hitting a demon. <laughs> that's right. I'm as as quoted earlier. I'm not angry at the child. I'm angry at the demon. <laughs> but if we kill the child, so be it. We're you know what? We're sending her to it, be with God. We're here to get rid of a demon, not save a child's life. Okay. <laughs> Focus. And he goes in with his holy water and shit, and the demon's all like, oh, goody gumdrops. You guys can't do anything. You're stupid. And he throws a bunch of holy water on him, and she's like, oh, that's a, something else that Damien did earlier. He put holy water on her, but it was just happening. It was water. a fake out, but the demon reacted anyway. That's yeah. right. That means that it's all psychosomatic for them demons. <laughs> exactly. I guess, because, like, I, that, that yeah. never comes up again. Nope. <laughs> And they start praying at her, and, and the bed starts bumping and going up and down, and Reagan starts talking to Father Karras. As, uh, when does that happen? As his mom, and he's like, oh, dear me. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Dear me. Hell, it's so bad down here. I hate it. It's so hot. <laughs> dear me, can you turn down the thermostat, dear me? Dear me, you coming for dinner? We're having entrails. <laughs> And he's like, shut up, Mom. Can I do anything by myself? <laughs> Don't listen to her. Yeah, but you heard what she said. She's always buttoning into my business. <laughs> I have an adult, Mother. Let me lead my own life. I'm doing an exorcist now. We'll talk later. <laughs> and there's more praying and crap and floating in the bed. And and that's when they're praying. They're praying over her. And that's when her head turns all yeah. the way around. And doesn't kill her? No. No, it doesn't. How about that? That's weird. <laughs> and they're putting compresses on her, and he's got to go into the bathroom and wring out stuff. And and uh, <laughs> Father Marin needs a break, and he goes outside to s sit on the stairs and smoke a cigarette and reevaluate his life for the 19th time. <laughs> and he's like, wasn't I just in Iraq? Wasn't I just being an archaeologist yeah. badass? What am I doing I'm here? Sure. Yeah. I'm covered in soup. And <laughs> while he's outside, uh, that's when Father Karras has the little chit-chat with his mom. Not really. Yeah. But you know what I mean. He feels super bad. Father Karras comes back in. He's getting ready to go. And Karras goes into the bathroom to do something. I can't remember what. Yeah. Well, no, what happens is Karras gets into an argument with the demon oh, yeah. he's like you're not my mother and and Marin is like don't listen to her don't listen and like Marin sends him out he's like you know go outside and get your mm -hmm. get your shit together and then he comes I'm just an old man with a heart condition I'm sure I'll be fine I'll be alright when he comes back in dead oh gee <laughs> and 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 
The demon is loose and just sitting in a chair. <laughs> just lounging casually a few feet away. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't do that. Uh, you can't blame me. I didn't hey, do it. I, okay, I did. I know you're not going to. I gonna, did do it. I know you're not going to believe me, but he legit had a heart attack. I swear to God. Well, maybe yeah, not to God, totally, but, you know. I gave him the heart attack. <laughs> you know, whatever. Hey, he was old. Come on. And that's the last straw for... Uh, for Damien, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, he's like enough of this spiritual shit. Let's we're gonna have a throwdown. We're we're gonna do this the old-fashioned way, and he starts punching her, yes, and choking her. Yep. And then he says, "What, Steve?" He says, "Take me, come into me." Right. And then that's what happens. The demon's like, "Okay, cool, cool," and he jumps into into Damien, and he turns all pale for a second. And I couldn't find the original cut of this movie that didn't have the digital transition oh, where it's, him being paid. Yeah, where it's just a jump cut almost because it was... Where it's a jarring jump cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have to say that digital transition worked really good. Oh, yeah. It looks great. It does, yeah. Um, but uh, all of a sudden, Reagan's fine. Right. I mean, not fine. She's crying. But she's, yeah, she's back to herself, yeah. But she doesn't look like all monster face no more. Right. With cuts and everything. Nope. And then Damien goes, well, I had no path forward from this point. <laughs> I didn't think this through. Oh, well. And he stops being pale and he gets a hold of himself and he launches himself right out the windy. And he goes rolling down the stairs and he's down at the bottom of the stairs. He's not dead yet. No. But for the most he's part. He's getting there. Yeah. Mom comes rushing in. And she's like, oh, the tablets can't get a hold of this. <laughs> oh, shit. And Reagan's crying. And uh, who runs up to uh, Damien's body at the bottom of the stairs? Why, it's, it's, Dyer, it's Father it? Dyer, yeah. And he gives him and the gives last him, rites. Gives him last rites. So he might be dead, doesn't yeah. Because he did just commit a mortal sin. Yes. For a There's g- no, I, but I had demons in me. Doesn't matter, you're going to hell. But I, but I had demons in me. I just saved a little girl. I saved Doesn't a little matter. girl's life. You're going to hell. Anyone that sacrificed... Oh, by the way, any World War II, World War I vets still waiting in line? The answer is still the same. We don't care how many people you saved. You took your own life. Hell. I don't make the rules. I just guard the gate. So Take it up with the big y'all. man. <laughs> Not my department. Whole, what we're saying is your whole platoon should have died. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're... you're yeah, ooh, I'm so noble. Whatever, that doesn't matter. Rules is rules. <laughs> That's the lesson of Catholicism. Hey, these are the rules, kids. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. Well, then we cut to what, Steve? Uh, we cut to a little bit later, and uh, the Chris and Reagan are, are packing up and leaving the house. That's right. They're getting ready to go. And who shows up as they're leaving? Uh, Father Dyer. Man. He's like, are you guys okay? And they're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Our lives are ruined. Never coming back to the city. Our whole worldview has been ripped from us. We we don't know. This kid's going into adoption. It's way more than I thought it was going to be. I'm going to try to continue on with my career as as best I can. Do I look young? Do I look pretty? Do I look young and pretty? Am I... Am I... I, Would you you fuck me? Would you fuck me? Because that's what I need to know. Would you fuck me or am I going into grandma roles now? Because there's no money in that. Oh, shit. And she runs upstairs, wraps a towel around her head, dumps in the tub. Just because I am a mom doesn't mean I want to play a mom. And uh, Reagan sees his collar and then she kisses the father on on the cheek and they leave. They drive away. Yep. 
and then the house explodes and <laughs> Kinnaman is like there with another autograph book hoping like, that there'd be more famous oh, people around yeah and uh, that's it Father, that's Father Dyer walks over to the steps and he sees the Joker dancing on them <laughs> and he's like wait a minute what movie did this I just is, this is it right and the end that's it the end yay hasty yeah what did you think about this spookiest of spoopy movies the exorcist i liked it that's not a surprise <laughs> um i'll tell you what i liked about it i i i think that it does a very very good job of blending the mundane and the supernatural and and finding the horror in both um and I, what I loved about it when I watched it just recently for this, it's the same thing that I loved about it when I first discovered it as a teenager. And that is it somehow manages to create this believable, naturalistic world um, mm -hmm. and maintain that naturalism even when things get really, really goofy in the final act. Um, yeah. everything, everything is shot in the same way. Um, mm -hmm. Friedkin has a way of knowing just how far away to put the camera, uh, just yeah. how detached to be, because there's not total detachment like we would expect. Like if Kubrick had made it, it would have been probably even more emotionally remote than it is. Um, but it's also not constantly like trying to manipulate you and ramp up the emotion and melodrama to get a reaction no. either. Um, the impression it leaves is that we've just sort of been shown these things, you know, and and they're and they're left to leave their own impression. And you mentioned how upsetting the the medical procedure is, um, mm -hmm. and uh, those those scenes are are photographed, are shot the same way as the final stage of her possession, and it mm -hmm. all seems scary in different ways because we can see that it's scary to Reagan and it's scary to Chris. And as I said, yeah. like the, the bloodiest scene in the film is that angiogram scene. Yep. Um, and that naturalism is carried through to the performances too. Uh, Ellen Burstyn and Max von Sydow, we've talked about, I mean, to me, two of the all-time greats. Uh, Jason Miller, who was not an experienced film actor, but does a, gives a really good performance. Lee, yeah, he does. Lee J. Cobb, who I've already said is one of my favorite actors ever. They, they all give these very controlled, very understated performances. There's not like moments where there, there aren't like big showy actor moments. Uh, no. Linda Blair is not understated, but that's okay because she's playing either a precocious preteen or a demon from the pit of hell itself. So like it, right, it exactly. works. It still works works um i like the slow build i i like the fact that it takes a while for for the 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 undeniably supernatural stuff to start happening um right. we get that prologue with marin in iraq which i i mean it does it, it is a little longer than it needs to be but it sets up that like after we see that and then we cut to georgetown okay we know you mean when he disappears for a full hour and <laughs> exactly. minutes of the movie <laughs> exactly but after we get that like and then we cut to georgetown we know that something is coming like we know that something is is waiting for us that something awful is going to happen to these people that we're suddenly following around in georgetown uh mm -hmm. but it starts to happen so gradually and and at at first, it, it things happen in ways that could 
possibly be explained as a result of Reagan having a mental illness or, or some kind of mm -hmm. serious emotional disturbance. Like the movie sets things up like like how her father doesn't call her on her birthday or you know yeah. how she wants the horse and doesn't get it. Like there there it drops these little clues that well maybe it is an emotional thing. And then it's mm -hmm. like nope. <laughs> you know like it it no it definitely isn't. Um but it, it builds up in such a way that when when the shit finally hits the fan and you're like, oh, no, that's definitely a demon. Yeah, it hits it hard. Yeah, and, and it, it plays as both shocking, but also it's what we expected to happen because, like, we've known all along that this is coming. Um, right. The cinematography, I think, is fantastic. This is a movie that is not set in, you know, 15th century Transylvania. Like, there are no gothic castles or spooky woods or, or any of the classical trappings of a horror movie. It takes place almost entirely in contemporary Georgetown in just a nice house. Mm -hmm. And yet, Roisman, the cinematographer, and Friedkin find these incredibly atmospheric shots, like the shot from the poster where Marin shows up at the house and he's silhouetted at the gate against the fog, which is an amazing yeah. shot. Um, or that shot of Karis's mother sitting in Reagan's bed, where we just get like a fleeting glimpse of her sitting there um, when he first walks in. Or I also, I love the shot when, when Marin and Karis are outside taking a break and there's where we get them sort of sitting opposite each other on the stairs. Um, I, there, there are a mm -hmm. couple of shots there. The way they use the banister to sort of cut between them, I think those are some really, really nicely composed shots. Um, yeah. So I love all that. And finally, I love that the movie commits to its premise. It's supposed to be about an evil demon possessing a child. And when that demon comes out, it talks and it acts like we would expect a demon to act. It's violent. They're mean. It's cruel. Yeah, it's got a filthy mouth. Um, uh -huh. And like, and it reminded me of, you know, I used to get a kick out of watching like evangelical Christian preachers on TV who would claim to be performing exorcisms. And, mm -hmm. and it was the strangest thing. Every time they'd be confronting a person who was supposedly possessed by demons, the person never did or said anything blasphemous or profane. Like, no. they'd growl, you know, they'd make, mm -hmm. like, these sort of weak, generic threats, but they would never swear. Like, they'd never, they'd nope. never spit at the preacher. They'd never say anything insulting nope. to God or Jesus. Um, and needless to say, they never, like, moved objects with their mind or, or projectile vomited pea soup at anybody. Um, but the exorcist goes there. The exorcist tells us, this girl is possessed by a devil. And what we see lines up with the expectations created by that. And it transgresses all lines of good taste and, and propriety in doing so, mm -hmm. uh, which is exactly what you would expect if this was actually happening. And, you know, she doesn't just growl and hiss when someone shows her a Bible. She says and does some truly fucked up shit. Yep. And as upsetting as some of it is, I respect the commitment. <laughs> I, yeah. I respect that, you know, if, if we're going to make a movie about this, then God damn it, let's show them what it's like. Um, and it's one of right. the things that I think makes the movie work. So, yeah, there you go. I, I do think it's the people who really, really like it, I think overrate it a little bit. Like, I don't think it's the greatest horror movie ever made. It's um, a victim of it's a victim of its word of mouth. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't think it's quite as good as as some of the the great champions of it would suggest it is but i do think mm -hmm. it's a very very good movie mm -hmm. so there you go i agree with you for the most part i think it's a good movie i think it's a really a really good movie i'm assuming you're done yeah i'm done if you're not i don't care <laughs> um i'm done <laughs> um this movie is a victim of that being called the greatest horror movie ever made 
1973, the Hayes Code, the, the, the MPAA, had been around for, I don't know, maybe five years. They wanted to give this an X rating. Yeah. Um, there had been nothing like it. Nothing this raw, nothing this, um, what we would be considered at the time, vulgar. People were rushing into the movie theaters because this was something new. This was something different. This isn't a horror movie where the spooky uh, mummy kind of half follows someone around for an hour and a half. Because <laughs> believe it or not, we were still kind of in that age of what a horror movie was. Low budget, not terribly scary. Bleh. The closest thing we got were Hammer films. And even Hammer films weren't like this movie. No. Okay. They had a lot more blood in it. But they weren't psychologically terrifying, right? Right. There's a monster. Things happen. Monster dies. The end. This movie came out, and, um, you know, of course the studio didn't know what to do with it. They, didn't have any, they had no idea. We had had a couple of runs at it with Rosemary's Baby. And, um, you know, people were like, oh, well, maybe we can make some money with some of this Christian horror stuff. And so that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to make their own Christian kind of horror stuff rosemary's baby but we'll make it a teenager this time that'll be cool <laughs> and um that's what this movie was they wanted to make money and they did but they didn't know what they had until they put it out in the theaters and word of mouth went out i can't believe she did this i can't believe she did that i can't believe this it's not that they were dumb <laughs> stupider back in the day they'd just never seen anything like that right if you took Alien and showed it to an audience in 1930, people would throw up and kill themselves. <laughs> For sure. For sure. In 1973, there was nothing like this, and it was rough stuff, dude. It was rough stuff. I appreciate the slow burn, mainly because I like these characters, and you gotta like them. You have to like them. Mm -hmm. By the time we get to the exorcism part. Don't like them, don't care, ending falls apart. Doesn't matter. No one has anything invested. We don't know anything about, about Father Damien. We don't know anything about Father Marin, which we really don't. No. But he's not... I mean, he's the titular character. We know the least amount about him. We know that he's kind of demon-haunted because of his past, but we don't see anything about that. We get to know the family. We get to know Kinderman. We, need, we get to know all these guys, and it's shot so well. It's a very cold movie. Mm -hmm. The temperature of the film is very cool. Even interior shots. There's nothing that's terribly warm and inviting. The whole movie is very, has a very cool, cold look to it. And that's for a very specific reason. It kind of sets the mood for the entire movie. I do have a complaint about Father Marin. Um, while they were our inter I would watch Max von Sydow just sit there eating a chicken sandwich in his underwear... <laughs> I needed for the more connective tissue between what was occurring in Iraq and what was occurring in what occurs in Georgetown. Very briefly, very briefly, when they're struggling with Reagan, Father Marin has a vision of the statue that he saw in Iraq. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the connective tissue. What would have been more impactful for the character is if we saw him completing an exorcism that ruined him, mm -hmm. that kind of set it apart. The uh, the archaeological archaeological stuff, but it's not directly <laughs> connected, really, to what's going on in the movie, no. and it would have been stronger for um, Marin to have done an exorcism and says, "I'm never doing that again," or whatever, 
and going off to some place to wander around the woods until he's needed, I guess. <laughs> but um, this movie is actually not about the exorcist. It's about, you know, it's technically really about Father Damien mm-hmm. and a man who's gone through, uh, going through a crisis of faith. Not only does he not believe in, in um, his religious beliefs, he's losing faith in his psychological beliefs. He's, he's feeling a failure on two ends. That was needed. That was necessary. Dialogue in the movie is good. There are moments of humor that are really funny. Um, and you get to know these people. And, and, you know, I've made fun of Chris through this whole thing about being an actress and all that other stuff. None of that is present in the movie. Don't, don't get upset, guys. I'm here supposed to make fun of the movie, but I really, <laughs> really enjoy the movie. Now, was it the scariest movie of all time in 1973? Yes, <laughs> it was. <laughs> But as the years have gone by, we've seen a lot more. And I don't think it holds a candle to certain movies that have come out since then that have legitimately scared people. And that, unfortunately, is going to be the trend for movies like horror movies. Their edge gets dulled over the years. Doesn't happen as much with with dramas. Does happen a lot with comedies. If they're too, you know, if they're putting in too much pop culture references or whatever else that kind of nails their humor to the time that it's being made. But with horror movies, as we progress forward, and if you're a horror movie fan and never saw The Exorcist, you'd be kind of like, it's really long at the beginning and then nothing really happens. And they said it was, you know, the scariest thing, but there was no blood. There was no boobs. I got really excited when they were going to do that operation on her and they started pulling down her top. I don't care if she's 13. (laughs) I'm a sick individual. (laughs) But um, (laughs) what I like about it is is that it's a little bit more subdued than uh, movies that are being made now Mm. about people getting an exorcism. Um, You know, yes. Does Does she stab her vagina with a crucifix? Yes. Do we actually see the vagina? No. No. We don't. Okay? That's crossing the line. Um, Even back then. I mean, guys, this freaked people out. I have no doubt in my mind that people got sick because they'd interviewed people that were coming out of the movie theater and was like, I fainted three times. And I'm a man, and that's not supposed to happen. (laughs) I'm supposed to be uh, a big boy, and Mom said I was a big boy, and I'm 19, and I can see it. R-rated movie and I passed out and my girlfriend has left me now. <laughs> but the, the reports of people fainting or getting sick or running out of the audience because it's too scary, I believe it. Because there was nothing. What, what did you have up until that point? Oh no, it's Frankenstein again. <laughs> well, there were... That was it. There were, the, there were the zombie movies, but they were not as widely released as this. They were not like major studio movies. There were like... Right, you know, exactly. Right, exactly. And this movie came along, and it was like, bam, motherfucker, <laughs> and everyone freaked out. And while I, I appreciate the movie on different, for different reasons, I don't get scared at this movie. I don't think I got scared at the movie the first time I saw it, when I was like 17 or something. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was interesting. I liked the characters, the, you know, the, the performances, the soundtrack, the way it was shot. I was like, wow, this is a really adult horror movie. The only thing it makes me want are adult horror movies. That's that's about mm-hmm. it. We got a few of them. We got Alien. We got you know the thing. Yeah. When was the last time we had a truly adult horror movie that wasn't aimed at teenagers, or had ghosts, <laughs> and was PG thirteen, and had nothing to say? 
And that's that's the big thing. What makes this different is that this is adults. It had something to say. It's very dispassionate. It was kind of like, here, we're going to show you what happened here. And then you watch yeah. it and you're like, nah. But it is emotionally <laughs> impactful for the characters. If you want to really stretch this, if you really want to get a metaphor out of it, this is a metaphor about being a parent when your child is sick. And there's yeah. nothing you can do. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's present in the script or if that was the intention of the directors, but if you wanted to see something there, that's kind of like that, that's kind of like what this is. Yeah. Eventually someone is going to make a really good movie about what it's like dealing with a parent that's going through psychological changes as they get older and they're going to make it a horror movie. I don't know if that's been done yet. If it has, I haven't seen it. Cronenberg, um, uh, when he remade The Fly, said that that was about being in a relationship and as your body ages, it becomes a horror show. Um, I can see that. Yeah. But um, talk about going way over the top. And that's another <laughs> movie that made people sick. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <sighs> Thanks, Mel Brooks. If I haven't mentioned it before, he's the producer on the <laughs> So, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think it was I think it's a I think it's a, a great movie. I'd even call it a classic movie because it changed the industry and impressed a whole bunch of people and. You know, it had an R rating and made tons of money, and yeah, good classic. You thought I hated it, didn't you? Steve? Uh, you thought I hated it? No. Okay, good. No. All right, I believe. You. Hey, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a movie that you don't want to recommend? <gasps> I do. Okay, as, go for as it. As it turns out, um, most of the other movies that people made about exorcisms after this one came out have been terrible. They've been garbage. They've been garbage. We we already mentioned a couple of the uh, the sequels to this one. Uh, Exorcist two in particular is is oh is. It should have been called Exorcist two. What the fuck is happening? It's that that's not the one I am that I'm not that's not my not recommendation. But it is like I, it is legitimately thought of by a lot of people as one of the worst movies ever made, uh, and mm -hmm. it's and it's bad. It's real bad. Um, and then there was also a couple of prequels. Neither, and oh, God. neither one of them are that great. The one, the Paul Schrader one, is which, which was supposed to be the original one, is better, but it's still mm -hmm. not like a great movie. Um, but yeah. it's definitely better than the Rennie Harlan version. Um, go figure. Uh, but um, the movie I'm going to not recommend is a movie that came out in 2010 and actually got decent reviews from some people, but I watched it uh -huh. and I don't see it. I don't think it's that great of a movie. Um, it's called The Last Exorcism. Oh, yeah. And it was, it's not only an exorcism movie, it's also a found footage movie. So oh boy. a blending of, of two trite horror subgenres <laughs> to create a <laughs> mighty Voltron of trite horror. Um, it, uh, and it, it's about a... Is it one of those movies that cuts off right before they would need special effects? <laughs> I think so, actually. Yeah, it's like, it's like they, they cut... Oh, I guess he dropped the camera. End of movie, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's about a guy who used to be a preacher who has now like reformed and is dedicating his work now to like disproving all the stuff that that you know fake evangelical preachers do and guess what he encounters a real possessed person <laughs> and instead of going about his work of of like you know exposing fake exorcisms he has to do mm -hmm. a real exorcism and right. that's actually, I mean, there's potential there for a movie. That's not like the worst idea in the world for a horror movie. Right. Um, it, it, it's the reverse of the main character of this movie. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. 
he's lost his face. Well, not the reverse. It's the same thing. He's lost his face. It's just, yeah, and and you know, there and it's not there. There are moments in the movie that are good that are, that work, but uh, yeah, the the ending is obvious pretty much from you know the start. You know exactly how things are going to end up for this preacher guy, and because and you know, like you already joked about, like, gee, I wonder if the camera cuts out at the end. Like, you know, because they do it as a found footage movie, you know that's going to be the end. Yeah. Um, because right. nobody's figured out any other way to end a found footage movie than the camera just abruptly shutting off. Um, and well, that's I mean, it's a found it's footage a, movie. That's how it's. That's the way. That's part of the 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 format. Someone has to turn off the camera at some point. It, it should. It's part of the job. It should just keep going forever. Um, but yeah, so it's not. I mean, it's not like awful, awful, but it's not good. And it's. Uh, I, I mention it because it's relatively recent, and it's sort of. It was. It was part of both the post Exorcist, and also post Blair Witch movies because you know the exorcist was re-released in i think 2000 in theater so it kind of got a fresh there was like a fresh wave of influence from the exorcist uh as Mm -hmm. a result of that so yeah the last exorcism not the worst movie ever made but but not a good one at all and uh not one that i would recommend that you see if you watch the exorcist and you want to watch something else so there you go my turn well, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1973. <coughs> and I chose a movie from an established director who goes on to have a, uh, a big career, and that director is Mike Nichols. Ooh. You know, he directed The Graduate. And the movie that I'm going to not recommend is a movie about talking dolphins that are trained to kill the president. <laughs> The movie that I'm not recommending. I'm not repeating that sentence. That the more I say it, the dumber it gets. You heard me. The movie I'm not going to recommend stars. Oh, geez, George C. Scott. Oh, <laughs> oh George. And it's called Dave the Dolphin. Mm-hmm. And they're talking dolphins in it. And someone wants to train them to kill the president. <clears throat> I'm assuming wearing trench coats and hopping into the White House. I don't know. <laughs> Six and Pertemarinus. Oh, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's bland. It's bland. If you really want to watch someone dub over living dolphins shaking their heads back and forth like they're talking, great. Um, but oh boy, this is the movie he decided to make instead of The Exorcist. So, <laughs> so take that as you will. If you can find it, you can seek it out. I bet you can find scenes on YouTube or something like that. But it's just a ridiculous goddamn premise. And someone greenlit it. They're like, fuck it, it's the 70s. We'll make anything. Boy. Can someone have sex with one of the dolphins? Can there be a dolphin sex scene in there? Can we get that in there? It is the 70s. Hey, we can make it a black exploitation movie if we dye one of those dolphins brown. Oh my God. Let's do that. <gasps> Come on, it's the 70s. We're never going to get another yeah. chance to do this. Call up the dolphins and we'll be like, meh, fa, ma, motherfucker. <laughs> like that, see? We'll make tons of money. People will love it. It'll be like the Mod Squad with dolphins. Oh my god! So don't oh, see boy. it. You know, hey, George C. Scott what? paid his dues, didn't he? That poor guy. Yeah, he did. I mean, you look at yeah, he you did. look at his resume, and it's like every fourth or fifth movie is like a classic, and then there's so much dues paying in between those. He, but I mean, now in this age, he is so damn memeable. 
Oh my god. We, we, we reference him all the time without naming what movie it's from. Oh yeah. Turn it Turn off. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it off. That movie made no money. No. no. <laughs> but you remember George C. Scott, don't you? <laughs> hey Steve. Yeah. It's time. Oh. Time for you to make a terrible choice. Okay. Okay. Here we didn't think we were going back to that, did you? I, I, I figured we would. When we did our birthdays, we got the, we got the, the audience choice, and now here we are. Yep. As you guys know, I make Steve pick the next movie by giving him a blind choice of three different films. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what those films are. Some of them are good, some of them are meh, and some of them are bad. <laughs> And he has to choose between A, B, and yep. C. Steve, okay. please make your selection. And please, Steve, there is there is something awful in oh here. Oh boy! Okay, so please make the right choice. <clears throat> a, B, or C, Steve, just do it. Rip the bandaid off. Do it. <laughs> B. God, that was the one I wasn't supposed to pick. God damn it! Steve, <laughs> you pick these, man. Don't. I'm sick of feeling guilty about this. You put it in there. I know I did, but I'm like, he'll never choose this one. He's got one. It's one out of three. What is that? That's a, you have a 33% chance of picking the wrong one. And how many times have you hit that? We need to go to Vegas, dude. <laughs> so I can lose? Because that's what's happening. So they all share a common genre in this one. Okay. Kids movies. Oh, good. This is good. Kids films. I love a kids film. Ha, ha, had you chosen okay. A, or you would have gotten Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, okay. We keep aiming we at it. We almost got it. And somehow so we keep missing <laughs> it. Had you chosen C, we would have watched Spy Kids. Oh. The only good one. <laughs> <laughs> the only good one. But you chose B. Oh, boy. You chose B. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. It's okay. And if I already wasn't as bummed out about COVID and all the protests and the the shit that's going on in this country, I probably would have had a screaming fit like when Steve chose... uh, (laughs) When you chose uh, that movie that I... Battlefield Earth. But I just don't have the energy anymore. You spend all the day crying, and, and this is just another... Fine, fuck it. Another rat on the pile. Get on my back, rat. I don't care. Oh, boy. Fuck it. Okay. Just shit right in my mouth. Thanks. <laughs> Why not? I know this is not your fault, Steve. You're, you're choosing blank. Yes. Okay? Yes. I don't blame you when this happens. I blame fate. Okay. So here A we go. A cruel fate. The movie you decided there. <laughs> I take it back. You it's did all my this. fault. <laughs> the movie we're going to review next time is based on a book from a beloved children's author, okay. Doctor Seuss. <gasps> oh God! It's a live-action movie. Steve. Oh God, no! <laughs> Starring my personal favorite comedic actor. <laughs> oh God. Mike Myers. Okay. It's the wretched. Deservedly killing his career for the ninth time. The cat in the hat. Oof. 
just kind of want to sit next to the river and think about jumping in. That's all <laughs> I, I want to do. Oof. I, I'm sure our audience is giggling and they're like, yay, more pain for them. I just... So, oh, hey. so if you Ooh. guys want to get all the jokes, I'm not going to tell you to do it. I won't do it. <laughs> I will not tell you to watch the movie. I can't. I can't. Guys, just don't watch it. Just let us do that there work. Are, there, we'll watch it for you. There are laws against inciting people to harm themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Yay. <sighs> all right. Thanks for listening in again, guys. I hope everyone is safe. And until next time, see a movie this week. <laughs> I didn't say my name. I don't want anyone to know it's me anymore. <laughs> I'm going to have to do this. This is going to appear in my, uh, my rental feed. What did he do? <laughs> <laughs> we thought we got this guy pegged. Science fiction movies. There we go. And this... I'm going to do my outro again. Okay. I'm going to try to be up. Do it. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Thanks, for everybody, for listening in. This has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve. Movie theaters aren't open, <laughs> but go anyway. Stand out front. Demand. <laughs> Hang up a sheet on the wall and project your own movie. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's a good idea. Make a movie this week. I haven't said that ever. <laughs> And this has been Steve Shives. And remember the advice that my kindergarten teacher used to give all of us at the end of school. Stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Jesus Christ. Steve? Yes? Steve? <laughs> she was dismissed after, after uh, you know, after that. A couple of months. She had tenure. Yeah, it was, they started the process after that, but it took a while to finally get rid of her. Yeah. <laughs> it took a really long I time, mean, and then she was laid off, you know, with pay. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. So you guys got confused for a few weeks. <laughs> you went home and promptly told your mom that exact yeah. thing. She was like, carrots tonight, and you'd say... <laughs> Stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. <laughs> and she would immediately then you'd hear something fall to the floor in the kitchen she would immediately look at my father assuming reasonably that I had heard it from him I only said that once and that was because the goddamn nut wouldn't come off the wheel when we had to flatten a rainstorm <laughs> you piece of shit cocksucking motherfucker <laughs> well on that happy note everyone <laughs> Steve and I are going to have a nice long talk about his kindergarten I, years. I'm sorry for saying that. I don't know what got into me. <laughs> Apparently it was a cock. Yeah, that, well, okay, yeah, I guess so. Okay, there you go. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. There were so many things you could quote. I know, but I wanted <laughs> to do one of the dirty ones. Yeah, well, you picked the dirtiest I one. I did. I'm glad. I have no regrets. Well, just so long as you don't have any. <laughs>
You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening. <laughs>